0: Hey, anyways, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here, and man, I am so excited about today. Um, I think it's because I drank like six cups of coffee this morning, so uh, just strap in, put on a seatbelt, and just get ready to go, because I I feel like I'm kind of on crack this morning. So uh, I'm just giving you a warning uh, ahead of time, so if I talk fast, I'm blaming it on the coffee. You know, some people blame it on other things, I blame it on coffee, but uh, we've been in this series... um, called balance and, and what we 've been doing is we 've been talking about how so many times in life our lives get so out of balance it seems like society is pushing us to the edge continuously it 's continuously pushing us to live without any margin in our lives and, and because they 're continuously pushing us and pushing us and pushing us, we seem to say to ourselves man there 's just not enough time to get things done there 's just not enough money to, to to get everything that I need to take care of all of my needs and we just we just have so many things happening in our lives that we we seem like if any little thing falls that's out of place of what we have planned, all of a sudden it'll take us to the brink of destruction. And, And God does not intend for us to live that way. God does not intend for us to live on the edge of life. He didn't design us to live to the extremes, but he wanted us to live with some balance. He wanted us to live with some margin in our lives. And in fact, we've been looking at this verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 18, and it says this, it is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. And what it's saying there is, 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 is the person that's in a relationship with Jesus, a person that is connected to God, won't live in the extremes of life. They won't be pushed to the edge of destruction, but they'll have some balance in there. They'll have some margin in there. So when crises happen in their lives, they're not stressed out, they're not maxed out, but there is some distance between where they are and what the edge is. So that way they don't have to fall into those traps that are out there. And, and so over the last couple of weeks, We've been talking about creating some balance, creating some margins in our schedules and in our personal lives so that we can have time for what's most important. And we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, the things that are most important to us should be our relationship with God and our relationship with others, man. We should, we should have time set apart so that we can make sure that we're putting God, not just first in our lives, but in every aspect of our lives. And that we should have time in our lives so that we can make sure that we're putting first things first when it comes to our family, rather than allowing our careers and our objectives and, and our, our desires desires to overwhelm everything else and get our priorities out of whack. Because at the end of the day, all that stuff is going to perish. It's all going to go back in the box like we talked about last week. But the one thing that will remain, the one area that we can impact is the people that we're in relationship with. And so we need to put some priorities in those areas. And and the one way to tell in your life if, if you've got some margin there is when stressful things happen, do you freak out? And if you're freaking out all the time, there is probably not very much margin in your life, and therefore your life is completely out of balance, and you're wondering, how am I going to make all of this work? And so we've been talking about how we can do that, but today I want to talk about a different area, and this is going to seem a little bit odd uh, in a series about balance. How, Why would you talk about this? But today I really want to talk about Morality. Because for some reason today, it seems like uh, this area of our lives, there is very, very little margin. And mostly what I want to talk about is I want to talk about some sexual boundaries. Because it seems like today, our society is pushing us to the edge in this area of life. And, and everybody has limits in morality. All of us have limits in morality. Some of us, those limits might be uh, because they're personal— some of us have drawn a line in the sand and said, this is something I'm going to do, or this is something I'm not going to do, and that's a personal uh, morality limit that you've placed on yourself. Some of you, biblically, you have some limits that have been placed. you said, you know, I don't really care what society says. I don't care what other people say. Because the Bible says this, and because the Bible says this, I'm going to stand by what the Word of God says, and this is how I'm going to live no matter what anybody else says. Then some of us, we have some limits that are set in place just because illegally, you know, our society says this is legal and this is not. And therefore you can do this and you can't do that. And so they've drawn some limits. But this is the thing that I know about it. It's not the question of whether we will have limits, but who or what will determine our limits in life? Who or what is going to determine the boundaries and the margins in our lives? And the problem our society sends is that it sends mixed signals to us continuously, it's continuously sending us things that say this, but they really end up meaning this. I mean, that's what happens in our society. That's why teenagers, so many times for teenagers, th- we know that there's a problem in our society with teen pregnancies, and we know that there's, there's a, a problem with teens having premarital sex, but all throughout television, all it says is, man, you need to be in a relationship. You need to get with that person, and, and continuously, and, and then in schools, we hand out contraceptives, and we have sex ed classes, and then when all of a sudden a teenager gets pregnant, we're like, what the heck were you doing? but yet there was a mixed signal there the same thing is true in our society it has negative attitudes towards people who who have um affairs in their relationships but yet everywhere we look it's saying man you you need to get with that person you need to find somebody that's going to meet your needs and if your spouse isn't doing that man there's somebody probably at work and everywhere we look we see that but when somebody messes up and all of a sudden there's an affair that happens we're like what were you doing in that situation how did you end up there same thing with, with prescription drugs. There's a huge prescription drug epidemic happening in our society. And, and people are, are saying, man, getting addicted to prescription drugs all the time. But yet everywhere you look, what are the ads on TV? prescription drugs, where there's a pain clinic opening up on every single corner every single week. It seems like every time I turn around, there's another pain clinic. But yet when somebody gets addicted, we're like, how could you allow that to happen? And what happens is, is we have all these signals that are coming to us. And, and, and we got to realize, man, that you know what? Is it are people to be responsible for their actions? Totally. I believe it's the responsibility of that teenager to have some boundaries. I believe it's the responsibility for that adult um, to to have some boundaries in the relationship. Same thing with us. But at the same point, we're continuously being pushed to get as much as we can out of life, to max out our life to the edge. And and it's continuously telling us to go as far as we can go, man. Go as far as you can go in that relationship. Go as far as you can go in, in, in in. what you're aspiring to in your career. Go as far as you can in that relationship, but don't mistreat that person. Go as far as you can and and take care of your pay needs, but don't get addicted. And we're continuously telling ourselves all these things. And and our nature is is that we always wanna push the limits. We always wanna push the limits on the boundaries that are in our lives. You think about it. Our speed limit is 70 miles per hour. How many of us drive around on the interstate at 65? Nobody. We all push the limit. Most of us drive beyond that. I mean, it's true, isn't it? Even though that is what they're they're talking about. Teenagers, your curfew set at 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. You don't set up and plan to be home at 11:30, do you? No, you push that limit. You're like, I'm here at 11:59 and 58 seconds, and so I'm okay. Or you're a little bit beyond because we're always pushing the limit. If you're on a diet, man, and you're counting calories, you are making sure that you get every single calorie that you can, aren't you? Because you wanna make sure that you have consumed just enough up to that limit that you have set. And, and you know, the reality is, is that most of those areas when we cross the line, that's not really a big deal. I mean, if you go beyond your calories that day, you, you can make it up at the gym. I mean, it's not going to count that much against you. If you're a little bit late coming home, you know what? It's not the end of the world. You're probably just going to be grounded for a little bit. If you break the speed limit, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to end up with a ticket and maybe your insurance goes up. But those are not going to be really, really long-term consequences. But the reality is, is if we mess up morally, particularly in sexual sin, what ends up happening is, is it costs us for a lifetime. It costs us for a lifetime and the possibility that maybe you get pregnant and, or you're, the person you're having that with gets pregnant and all of a sudden you're, you have a, a child that you're now responsible for the rest of your life. It could be that the, the family that you currently have gets destroyed because of some extracurricular uh, activities that are out there with other people and uh, it messes up that life and all of a sudden everything changes because there's no margin, there's no room for error. And when we have no room for error, it ends up destroying our life. And today, man, I just really want to dive in and talk about sex. You know, we're going to go old school. We're going to go some salt and pepper. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make me. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about (laughs) sex, you know. I mean we're we're going to like go we're going to get into it we're going to talk about it we're going to because here's the thing I mean we the the reason that we have so many problems is that we don't talk about it and uh I know I'm a horrible dancer please don't tell my wife that I danced in here so uh, or did whatever I just did so uh 1 Corinthians 6:18 <laughs> 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this. It says, run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. I think it's interesting that when, when Paul was talking here, he put sexual sin in a class by itself. He doesn't, he doesn't put a lot of things in a class by themselves, but throughout Scripture, you can, you can see that, that he puts us in a class by themselves because it's such an important thing because it affects us so, so deeply. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because I found out that more divorces happen in the m- month of December than any other month of the year more people struggle in their relationships, more affairs happen around this time of the year than any other time of the year It's because we find ourselves out of balance in this. And we find ourselves being told so many different things that we miss out on the intention that God had for our lives and what he wants to do and how he wants to establish this in our lives. And so, you know, a lot of us, so are we supposed to run from sexual sin? I mean, what do we do in this situation? And, and do we run to an island all by ourselves? Because that's what our tendency is. And a lot of times we like to isolate ourselves, but I really think that we need to insulate ourselves. Because isolation just causes us to be by ourselves. And what ends up happening is, is that particularly a sexual sin is, men. it's a hidden thing. It's something we don't want anybody else to discover. We don't want anybody else to know. We don't want anybody else to have any idea that's happening. And so we always try to isolate ourselves. And it always causes us to go further and deeper than we ever wanted to go. Instead, we need to insulate ourselves around what God says and around what people who believe what God says is. So they can encourage us. They can build us up so they can make sure that we are not falling into the temptation, that we are not getting to the edge and stumbling and falling, but we're living with some margins in our life so we don't ever have to fall into, into that temptation because it's so important that we insulate ourselves. And I believe that God can truly do that. I mean, the reality is is if God can take a fish, And put him in uh, salt water and allow him to or it to breathe and function without that salt water contaminating it. I believe the same thing is true for us that we can be in an environment where there's all kinds of junk that's thrown our ways, but yet not let it, it. It affects us to where we have impure thoughts, where we have impure motives, where we have impure actions. But we can live a clean and wholesome life today and forever because of the environment we put ourselves in. And I believe that there are some things that you and I are going to need to do if we're going to create some moral margin in our lives, if we're going to create some balance in this area. And the first thing that I believe we need to run to is we need to run to God's standards. We need to know what God's standards are because here's the deal. Sex is a gift from God. Sex is a gift from God. It is a good thing. And because it's, it, it is, man, it's not bad. It's not dirty. It's not gross, man. It is an amazing, amazing thing. It's awesome when it's used correctly, but so many times it's not. And so many times we've gone to this place where where some of you, where we've put sex in this bad thing. But the reality is some of us have this wonderful gift in our backyard called a pool. And it can be a, a place where, man, we can go and we can have a great time. We can swim with family. We can invite people over. And it's awesome if it's used correctly. But you know what? If you don't know how to swim, you know what a pool can be? It can be a death. Because you can drown in that very same pool if it's used incorrectly. Same thing. Some of you guys, I don't know why, but you have fireplaces inside your home. We live in South Florida. It does not get below 60 degrees. Okay, there's no need for a fireplace, but I've been to some of yours houses. There's some fireplaces there, and a fireplace is awesome. It can create warmth. It can create ambiance. It can do all kinds of cool things if it's used properly, but if it's used improperly, you know what it can do? It can burn down your house. The same thing is true with sex. Sex is awesome, and if you don't think it is, that's because you're not doing it right, okay? So, I mean... Yes. Um, It is, man. It is an incredible thing, and it's been given to us by God. And uh, man, sex is one of those great gifts that God has given us. And when we use it correctly, it's unbelievable. But when it's misused, you know what? It can burn down your life. It can cause hurt. It can cause pain. It can cause shame. It can just mess you up when it's not used in the right context. And that's why I say, man, sex is amazing when it's used in the right context, when it's used in the right way. And if we understand God's standards, then, man, it will change our lives. That's why in Genesis 2.24, right in the beginning, God speaks to, to Adam and Eve. And, and he, says this, he, he says, this explains why a man will leave his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united in one. God says, man, it's important that people be united. It's important that this this activity happens, that this takes place, but it happens when man and a woman are joined together. It's not just a physical thing, but yet so many times that's what our society tells us, man, this is just a physical thing. Just go ahead and do it. And and because we think that, we say, man, oh man, I'm just going to go do it. But sex is so much more than just a physical thing. It has spiritual consequences. It has physical consequences. It has emotional consequences. There are a lot of consequences." that go along with the activity of sex. And and what we need to know is that, man, if it was just physical, it'd be just like a handshake. We could just go around and give it to everybody. And some people do that. And they wonder why they have some major emotional and physical and, 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 and problems in their lives. But it's so much more than just a physical thing. It's so much more than that. It's a powerful thing. And that's the problem I see with with sex education. It's not that they're, they're teaching our kids about sex. It's that they're not teaching our kids enough about sex. Because the reality is, is if they taught them enough about sex, it wouldn't just be the physical act. Listen, it's not just a bunch of anatomy. There's so much more that goes to it. There's emotional bonds. There's physical bonds. There's relational bonds. And and what we don't realize is when we engage in that, we we are connecting ourselves with somebody else. And that is the problem if we're not ready for that. And the reason God put parameters on sex is because he knows more about it than we do. I mean, think about it like this. Think about it like this. Say you're driving down the road and you want to get on the interstate and you see what you believe is an on-ramp, but when you go to turn on to it, you find out that it's an exit ramp and it says, do not enter. Do you get mad at that because it says, do not enter? No, because it's there for your protection. But, but I have free will, man. I should be able to do whatever I want. The reason that that sign is there is it's to help you make sure that you don't end up in a lot of pain. And the reason God puts some parameters on sex, the reason he puts some things in place is because he does not want us to end up in a lot of pain. And he says, man, I understand this a whole lot better than you because what we want to do is we just want to give it away to everybody. We just want to engage in it at every single aspect we can in every single area of life. But what ends up happening is you end up living a life of regret and pain and shame and emotional disturbances and relational difficulties. And and you can never trust other people because you gave something away that was not supposed to be given to everybody, but to someone. And I love the word that the Bible says in that verse when He says, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. That word there, if you will circle those words, be joined in your notes or in your Bible, wherever you're looking, it literally means to cling to. The Hebrew word there is to attach like glue. And what God is saying is he's saying, man, when you engage in this, when you go and have this relationship, when you go and decide to to have sex with somebody else, all of a sudden what you're doing is you are gluing yourself to another person. You are saying, you know what? I'm going to be joined together. We're going to super glue each other apart. And what happens when you try to tear glue from something that it's attached to? It always tears a portion of that away, doesn't it? And we wonder why that we hurt so bad when we engage in those relationships and all of a sudden that relationship breaks up or it, it's a divorce happens and we're like, man, I hurt so bad because a piece of you has been ripped off from another person. And you've left some with them and they've left some with you. And that's why God says, man, we got we to gotta realize that there are some boundaries that I'm trying to set up. There's some balance here that I'm trying to set up because this is what I know, that, that it's not a fun thing to go through that. And this is what I know. Nobody that sets up limits in their lives or boundaries in their lives or some balance in their life morally ever regrets it. The only people who regret it are the ones who don't. And so we need to realize that, man, when it comes to this whole idea of sex and, and morality and gaining balance in that, man, we need to run to what God's standards are. And God said, man, it's about one man and one woman and them being joined and then being joined forever. The second thing we need to do is we need to, we need to run from impure thoughts. We need to run from impure thoughts. Proverbs 4.23 says this, be careful of what you think because your thoughts run your life. I don't know if anybody else knows that this is true, but this is so true. Our thoughts run our lives. You think about people in life and you look at what they do and, and what happens. A person who does stupid things, usually they have stupid thoughts, don't they? You think about it. You think about that person you're thinking about right now. They, with the person that's always doing dumb things around you in your life, you're like, they always say the stupidest stuff because dumb thoughts lead to dumb actions. If you want to change your life, you want to change your actions, you want to change how your life is going, you got to start to to get not to the actions and, and the things that are happening, but you need to get to the root of what is causing all that. And the thing that's causing actions and direction of your life is the thoughts that are going through your mind. We need to take control of what is happening inside of our brain and, and what caused those and what, what are the feelings that cause those actions because those all stem from a thought. And that's exactly how we fall in temptation. We start having some thoughts in life. It isn't like I was just walking around one day and I just fell into an affair. I've never met anybody that all of a sudden he just walked in and it was like, oh man, I just had an affair. That is never how it works. And if he tells you that, women or or guys, if she tells you that, tell them they're stupid because there's no way I'm going to believe that. So, I mean, that is just not how it works. But what happens is the first thing that happens is it starts with some thoughts that are going through our mind and we start accepting those thoughts and we start saying to ourselves, man, I wonder what it'd be like to, to date them. I wonder what it'd be like to be with them. I mean, how different would my life be? And what does God think about that? Oh man, he isn't that bad. And all of a sudden we start having these thoughts in our minds and we start kind of thinking through those things and we start fantasizing about those things and pretty soon those, those thoughts are starting to, to change some of our mentality and all of a sudden you think, man, these thoughts are they're just harmless. They're not really affecting anybody. But this is the reality is, is those thoughts inevitably produce feelings in our lives. And those feelings inevitably cause us to do something with them. That's why I think it's so stupid when people tell me, man, just do what your heart says. No, your heart is the biggest liar in your life. Don't listen to what your heart says. It will tell you the wrong thing every single time because feelings inevitably lead to actions in our life. And what happens is is we start having some emotional, non-physical Involvement, and that's where you start, you know, doing some flirting, or you just happen to, to show up at the same place they're having lunch, and you're like, Oh man, it what a coincidence we're here at the same time, and oh, we maybe we should just have lunch together. And then, you know, you're working out and you see them, and all of a sudden you make a beeline to that piece of equipment. Oh, it's it what it's crazy seeing you here, and and all of a sudden it goes from these just thoughts that you're having, and all of a sudden it's a non physical, uh relationship, and things are happening there, and you're saying, well, I haven't done anything wrong, but here's the reality. An emotional relationship is just as bad as a physical one. Jesus said, you know, what? if you think things in your mind and in your heart, it's as bad as doing it. And all of a sudden, those things ended up taking us to a place where the physical involvement starts to take place. And it can have a profound effect on our lives. And 2 Timothy 2.22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust." Paul here is talking and he's saying, man, just run. Just run. Run from those things. Run from those ideas. Run from those thoughts. Because here's the reality. Whatever we focus on is going to get our attention. I love Skittles. Anybody else out there a fan of Skittles? Some fans of Skittles, I mean, it's like a, a rainbow of goodness and sugar in your mouth. And can I get an amen? Yeah, from all the Skittles lovers. This is what I know. Um, if I'm trying to be healthy, I don't want to eat Skittles, even though they only have 240 calories of pure sugar. Um, but if I'm, like, if I'm like, I don't want to eat Skittles. But I'm sitting here staring at them. You know what is eventually going to happen? You know what? One Skittle's is not going to be that bad. And one Skittle turns into 47 you know how it works. It starts with the small things. But the reality is, is if I, if I want to not give in to eating Skittles, you know what I need to do? I need to focus my attention somewhere else. Or I need to just take the Skittles and just give them to somebody else that wants to, to en- engage in that. Because I don't need that in my life. We just think if I just take one, just one bite, it'll be okay. And it's never, ever okay. And Paul said, man, we just need to run from those situations. We need to recognize, man, that I can't control the fact that I'm going to be uh, um, attracted to other people. Listen, there's going to be good-looking people coming by you all the time. You cannot control that, that fact. But what you can control is what you do with those feelings. You can control what you do with those emotions. You can control those things. And you can what you can do in, in those situations, instead of focusing on them, you can choose to turn and run from those things. And one of the greatest things that I think that you and I need to do, that we need to avoid things that tempt us, is is we need to monitor what we watch in our life. What are we putting in through our eye gates in life? I I read this statistic from TV Guide. It says, over the course of a year, primetime TV depicts 14,313 incidences of sex and 91% of all sex portrayed on TV is outside of marriage. That's a whole lot of sex. You know what I call that? I call that brainwashing. I call it brainwashing. You rarely see married couples going to bed together. You rarely see, you don't see any TV show where a married couple is happy, do you? No, they're always wanting somebody else or wishing they had somebody else's life. Instead, you see people that are, that are single, that are having uh, premarital sex. You, pe- you see people that are married, that are having uh, uh, affairs with other people. You never see the reality of what it is. And somebody's got an agenda of 91 per- if 91% of all TV, uh, all sex on TV is outside the context of marriage. And this is what I know is that we need to recognize what we're putting in because what we're putting in is eventually going to come out. You know, a guy named Steve Audubon, he wrote a great book. And don't just, let let me just say this. So many people think this is just a guy thing. This is not a guy thing. Of all the pornography that's happening, which is a bigger industry than Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NHL, and the NBA put together financially, 30% of those people that are watching pornography are women. So it's not just a guy thing. It's a girl thing as well. It's, a, it's an all-around thing. The reality is, is what we're putting in is corrupting us. And we need to learn how to bounce our eyes. We need to learn how to, it's not the first look that gets us, it's the second and third. We need to learn how to say, you know what, oh, that's, I see that, I'm going off to something else. I'm not going to look back, I'm not going to peer back, I'm not going to put myself in that situation, because the reality is, is that it's messing us up. And what we feed our mind is just as important as what we feed our body. I mean, what thoughts you allow to go on in your mind are, are going eventually going to come out in your life. The reality is, is if, if I have a steady diet of, of Diet Coke and cookies, there's not much nutritional value in that. You know what I'm going to end up being? I'm going to end up being 450 pounds. And if we have a steady diet of, of junk being put in our lives, you know what our life is going to look like? It's going to look jacked up and messed up. And we need to recognize that that God has some standards for us and that that we need to recognize that, man, there's a lot of fluffed up things that are out there. But we gotta we gotta run to God's standards and we've gotta understand that we've gotta we've gotta run from those impure thoughts that are constantly being thrown at us. But thirdly, man, we've got to run towards our marriage. We got to run towards our marriage. Now, let me just stop right here because I know there's single people that are out here that are like, okay, this is where it doesn't apply to me. But let me just tell you something. As a single, this applies to you more than I think it actually applies to married people because you need to be preparing for your marriage right now. The the problem that most single people have is they never prepare for the rest of their life. They're preparing for a day. They're thinking, if I can just find that somebody, then I'll be happy. But the reality is, is if you were preparing the right way and you were making yourself the person that you should be, you would end up with the person you want to be with. And you would stop settling for just whatever would come along and, and, and going with whatever somebody else wants to do, man. You should be hard at work changing yourself, reading about what a good relationship is, surrounding yourself with people that have good relationships so that you can be setting yourself up to eventually have that good marriage. That's called running towards your marriage. You might not be married yet, but you're running towards it. You're making progress. You're making a way, making sure that you're prepared for eventually the day where you're going to say, I do, and have not just a day, but have a lifetime with somebody else out there. And then start identifying the areas that you need to work on. Start identifying the areas and the things that you want in your potential spouse. Don't just settle for that guy that just walks up that's cute, that doesn't have a job, that doesn't have a car, that doesn't have uh, anything else besides a whole bunch of credit card debt and knows how to play video games. That is not the guy you want to end up with. I don't care how good looking he is. Oh, come on now. I'm preaching truth right now. Most of you, especially single ladies, you always settle for the cute guy, whether he's got an IQ or not. Come on. You know it's true. Don't settle for that crap. That's what it is, too. It's crap. You are better than that. You are better than that. Man, you are a child of God. You are a woman of God, and you don't need to settle for some second-rate loser that plays video games all day and, and sleeps the rest of the time. There's more in your life. And, and guys, don't settle for some hoochie mama at the club. She's, that's not where you're going to find your future spouse. She's not going to be all dancing up on you, shaking the booty, and say, that's not who you want. <laughs> I'm serious. We need to run towards those things. Listen, the likelihood of you finding your, your spouse at Palladia or Club Cinema or any of these other places is slim to none. You might find your future divorced wife. I'm serious. But we need to run to our marriage. And and for married people, women, I I need to explain something to you about guys because uh, particularly those who are married... because I realized that the guy that you married is not the same guy that you're living with today. Um, because men, I, men tend to be hunters. You know, they, they, they realize that there's things that they need to go after in life. And so a guy, typically he goes through high school, he goes through college, he's trying to achieve uh, finishing high school, finishing college. And when he gets done with that, he realizes the next thing on my agenda that I need to accomplish is I need to find a woman. Uh, we're very simple-minded. And so what he does is, is he starts looking for that girl. He starts looking for that woman. And, and he'll do things that men, normal men, don't ever do. He'll read poetry to you. He'll take you to operas. He'll sing love songs to you. He will do crazy stuff to woo you. He'll call you and talk to you for hours. No guy wants to talk to you on the phone for four hours. I'm just telling you that straight up. He is just after you. He's hunting right now. And then once he gets a ring on your finger, everything changes. The romance is gone. He's thinking, now that I've accomplished this feat of getting this woman to say yes, which is a huge feat for any guy, um, he now says, now I've got to provide for her and I've got to provide for my future kids. And so he goes off to work. And you're sitting there thinking, Well, what what the heck happened? What, What happened with this? But the guy, man, he is off in the hustle and bustle and all of his energy is going to that. Let me just tell you something, guys. Guys, continue to date your wife. Just because you've accomplished putting a ring on her finger doesn't mean that's the end of the day for you. Man, you need to still romance her. You need to still do all of those things. I think it's so important that we as guys, as, especially as Christian guys, man, that we're the most romantic, loving people there are. I still write my wife love notes. In fact, right before I left to Africa, I wrote her notes and put them in different places throughout the house so that while I was gone, she would find them and see, oh, I love you. I'm thinking about you. I still do romantic things. In fact, I was I was thinking on this this morning. I was thinking about this one time. I, I I thought, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna set up our house and I'm gonna go get some candles and rose petals and I'm gonna just gonna I'm gonna make it so amazing. And I remember I, I went to Bath and Body Works and got some candles and then you know I went to Victoria's Secret because that's where you know if you're God I'd never liked that place until I got married. I thought it was from the devil, but I figured out how you. <laughs> I figured out how Victoria's Secret works. You go in there and you pick something up, you look at it, you throw it on the ground, you say, that looks nice, and then you go buy it. Because that's where it's going to end up. So, you got to romance them. Don't lose the romance. I know the wife's saying, man, this is bait and switch, man. Where's the opera? Where's the chocolate? Where's all that stuff? And uh, he's thinking the same thing. I'll just tell you that. Because before you got married, you could not keep your hands off of him. You were like, man, I love you, babe. And you were smooching and doing all that stuff. And, and, and all of a sudden, you got married and everything changed. It's like I heard about this guy one night. He was getting ready to go to bed. And he had some aspirin bottle by his bed. And he took out two aspirin and hands it to his wife. And she's like, what's that for? He said, your headache. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> couldn't keep your hands off before Mary. Now all that you think about is the kids and your career and all those things. We can't lose the romance in relationships. This is what I, that is what I learned. I learned this from Shayla. She was, I, I kind of knew it, but she was reading this book called The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands. And uh, she found out that men like sex on days that starts with tea. Tuesday, Thursday, today, and tomorrow. Basically all the time. <laughs> Hallelujah. (laughs) I can't believe there's only one amen. I mean, come on. Where are the men at? I thought you all be shouting me down here. So, I got one from behind stage, probably from a single guy. So, (laughs) (laughs) but the reality is, is I found this study by a sociologist, Andrew Greeley, and he surveyed married people and found that as strange as it may sound, There's a strong link in marriage between prayer and physical intimacy. You want to run towards your marriage? He said, get this, couples who pray together are 90% more likely to report higher satisfaction rate as highly romantic with their intimacy, with their spouse, than couples who don't pray together. That doesn't sound right, does it? I mean, when I think about church people, and you think about the church lady and all that kind of stuff from Saturday Night Live. You think about these old prunes who, who don't like to have any fun. And they definitely are never going to have sex because nobody that's a Christian would have sex. But he says, prayer for couples, man, they know what's up. There's something that's happening there that they don't have to go outside of their marriage for those things because it's happening inside of their marriage. Because they've realized that there are some standards that, that God has. And if they flee those impure thoughts and they run towards their marriage and they, they embrace that, that all of a sudden something changes. And, and so, uh, man, if your if you're passion your marriage is low, maybe you need to go home and start praying with your spouse. Let me just, I mean, just think about it. You go home. It's 9 o'clock. You're laying in bed next to your spouse. You can watch some CSI. Lots of intimacy there. Or you can pray with your spouse. What happens when you pray, man? You communicate. Typically, you hold hands. There's, there's affection that's happening there. There's intimacy. There's communication. Voila. You just solved a whole bunch of problems in your life because you started running towards God's way of doing it. And we need to realize, man, that we can, we can be pushed to the edge by everything that society tells us, or we can realize, man, that God has got some incredible standards for our lives. And if we start to recognize those standards, and we start to uh, apply those standards in our lives, and set them up as our margins, as our boundaries, and we start fleeing from impure thoughts, and we start running from those things, and when we're running from those things, we run towards our spouse, we will have some incredible, incredible relationships that nobody can break apart. But there's some of us here that have been struggling in, in this area majorly. They say one in four people today are, are involved in pornography. Sixty-something percent of marriages are ending in divorce. This is a struggle. This is a struggle in our society. And we need balance here more than we ever have before. And this is what I know. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. This is the thing that I know, that God's grace is so amazing. He can cover over anything that you've had happening in your life. Maybe you've been struggling in these areas and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I'll tell you where you go. You go to God. You run to his throne where his grace and his mercy overwhelms no matter what's happening in your life. Some of you, man, you're, you're struggling right now. And there's, there's some people that are of interest to you and you've been having some, some non-physical emotional attachments. And today, man, you need, to, you need to run to the throne of God and say, man, God, I'm going to break those ties right now. I'm going to break those ties right now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find some people in my life that I can have some accountability with. They'll say, hey, man, how's it going? Hey, what's happening right now? So that you don't fall, find yourself as a statistic one day when you could have the very best that God has for you, and that's for you to be right where you are with your, with your spouse that you have. And if some of you guys, man, you feel like your relationship's broken, and this is what I know if you run to God today, He can restore anything that's broken. He can pick up the pieces and put it back together and make it so much better than it ever was before. But He's waiting for us. If you notice all those things, God's already done the work. He's just waiting on us to take the action. What action do you need to take today? What action do you need to take in your life? Let's pray. God, we just come before you. We just thank you that you are an amazingly loving God. That no matter what we do in our lives, no matter how bad we mess it up, your grace is sufficient for us. And I know that this is a struggle for a lot of people. It's something I struggled with before I got married. Big time. I know it's a, it's a hidden thing, but today, God, I believe that you want to set some people free. I believe that you want to provide a way out that they can run to today. And with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, man, if you've been struggling and you just want God, you say, man, today I'm going to run to God. I'm going to run to him. Man, I just want to pray with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just slip your hand up real quick, slip it up and just put it down. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. I know that this is a scary thing. Man, somebody might see me. It doesn't matter. It matters that God sees you today. It starts with us first admitting we have a problem to be able to change it. I know that there's more than five people out there that are struggling. Come on. Don't hold back. Yes, thank you. Don't let an opportunity. Yes, thank you. You can put your hand down. Don't let an opportunity pass you by, man. God is here and he's speaking to you today. That, that thing that you're feeling inside, that's, that's the presence of God saying, man, this is it for you. Come on, don't miss. Don't miss that opportunity. Don't miss that moment. Anybody else? Thank you. God, we just come before you. Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for your love, God, today. Our struggles, man. So many things are pulling us towards not having boundaries in our morality. And God, I just pray today that that we would not run towards those things, but we would take some steps back and we would run to you. And as we run to you, we would find that a loving father with open arms who embraces us right where we are. God, I pray that you start to renew our minds, start to change our attitudes. Help us to follow hard after you. God, I pray for, for marriages that are broken today, God, that there would be restoration that would take place. God, I pray for, for communication to happen, that, that people would be open and honest, and God, that you would, you would heal broken places. I pray for those that their minds have been perverted by our pornography and all these different things, God, that you would start to clean out the slate. Then the pictures that play back over and over, God, that that hard drive, would, drive of their mind would be erased, God, so they can live pure and whole thoughts. God, I pray that as people set themselves, especially the single people, to to living with your standards, God, God, that you would bring incredible potential spouses in their path. God, as they set themselves up to live for you, God, that you'd bring along people that are right in mission, right in vision with where they're going in their life. God, I thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.